Thank you. Uh, before we get started this morning, I wanted to remind you um, that this is the last week for our special offering for the Douglas County Task Force. So um, if for some reason you forgot it or you, you want to um, add to it, you can, you can do that after service or talk to me about it if you didn't bring it today. We are giving an offering to those in our community that are less fortunate than us. And um, we've looked throughout the month at different scriptures about what God has to say about giving to the poor. And he, he does tell us that if we give to the poor, we will not lack. That's good news. <laughs> That's good news. So we want to take every opportunity that we can to sow into things as we're led to. And this is one of the things that um, was put on our hearts. So if you want to get in on that and forgot about it, uh, just reminding you right now so that uh, you can get in on it after the service. You can see one of us and get that in. Praise the Lord. Isn't he good? Did you enjoy last week? I did. I got to listen to the service um, as soon as it went up on podcast. Uh, we were still driving in the car. It's 16 hours to California, so we had plenty of time to uh, pull it up and listen to it. Um, but it was good, and that was really what was ministered last week was kind of the, the, the power punch of, of that subject of Jesus coming again. How many know Jesus is coming. He's, coming. Yes. He's returning to the earth. How do we know that? The Bible tells us. Uh, how, why do we believe the Bible? <laughs> because the Bible is true. <laughs> the Bible is God speaking to us. And so everything in that Bible is truth for us to learn about, truth for us to take in, truth for us to live by. But it's a big book, isn't it? <laughs> Anybody ever looked at that, that and said, oh my gosh, there's no way. There's no way. Well, that's why we come to church. Praise God. That's why we come to church. So things can be broken down and we can look at little bits of things. But, but God's word is where it's at. Amen. The answer to everything you would need in life can be found in here. The principles of how to live your life can be found in here. So uh, we don't take this book for granted. Amen. Matter of fact, uh, we have not only dedicated our life to ministering this book, but we spend a good amount of time in this book every day, reading it, studying it, uh, doing our best to live it. Praise God. It is the truth. Praise God. So um, if you've never picked one up before, I encourage you to grab yourself one. Uh, you can actually download, uh, you can download an app that has your, a Bible right on it and start reading it. Steal one from a hotel. That's what my husband did when he was, <laughs> were you saved at that point? He wasn't saved, but he was so curious about the Bible. Um, he took one from, you know, in the hotels they normally have, the Gideons put Bibles in the hotels. He didn't know that they were there for you to take, so he really thought he was stealing it when he took it, and it weighed on his conscience for so long, he finally apologized, and someone told him, they're there for you to take. That's why they're there. But anyway, find a Bible, grab it, and start reading it. You'll be amazed at how God will minister to you and talk to you in those things. But we love the Word. Yes. 
And in the word, it tells us that Jesus is coming again. He did come to earth at one point as a baby. Most of us know that story. He was born of a virgin. He was born in in a a little town called Bethlehem, right? Have we all heard that story, the Christmas story? But the Bible also tells us not only did he come to earth that first time, but he plans to come again. And he wants to come for what the Bible uh, talks about, the glorious church. A group of people that know him and love him and live for him. Praise God. And we want to be ready for when he comes. Amen? Amen. Amen. So uh, that was last week. Last week's service was great. There are things we, uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, it's on podcast. I encourage you to pull it up and listen to it. It's very significant what was preached. And if you don't remember what was preached, it was James chapter 5, verse 7. James chapter 5, verse 7. Important, an important verse. So go back and listen to it if you haven't. Amen? All right. Let's pray this morning. Father, we are so very thankful for your word, for your goodness, for who you are. Lord, we're thankful that because of you, uh, we can see and we can know things that we would never know otherwise. Thank you, because of you, we have light. And thank you, Father, today for opening the eyes of our understanding that we can see even more, that we can know you better, that we can move forward in what you have for us. We thank you for the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you turn with me, if you have your Bibles with you, to First, first Thessalonians chapter 1. Hallelujah. First Thessalonians chapter 1. There was a man named Paul who um, had an encounter with Jesus. He, he wasn't serving God. He was actually a Jewish man. And um, he was actually upset with the, Christian, the Christians and their faith because it, it preached something different than he knew. It preached that Jesus was the Messiah. And, and he didn't believe that. He didn't see that in the scriptures that he had. And he was actually on the way to a town to persecute the Christians, get, gather them up and throw them in jail. And Jesus appeared to him in a vision, stopped him in his tracks. He and his whole uh, posse, the whole group that was going with him, they all stopped and, and Jesus appeared to him and spoke to him. And Paul realized, wait a second, Jesus is real. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, Paul gave his life to the Lord. Yeah. He said, I, I've, I've been serving, uh, I've been trying to serve God my whole life, but I, I didn't realize you were you. 
that Jesus was the Messiah. But because of that vision that he saw, he realized the Messiah is real. Jesus is the Messiah. And he gave his heart to, to Jesus. From that point on, he became a, what we would call a minister of the gospel. He went around throughout Asia, from town to town, ministering and preaching the gospel. So he also wrote letters to those who he had ministered to. This letter, 1 Thessalonians, was a letter he wrote to the church at Thessalonica. Those are fun words to try and say. <laughs> um, but in, in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, in verse 2, it says this. Paul says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Aren't you glad he's chosen you? Yes. You might think, well, I don't know if he has chosen you. Let me tell you, if you're in this place today, he has chosen you. Yes. Let me tell, even go further. If you live on this planet yes. and you're a human being, yes. God has chosen you. Yes. Praise the Lord. We know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Paul was saying the our gospel. I, I like when Paul calls it our gospel. He sometimes calls it my gospel. What is the gospel? The, the gospel means good news, mm -hmm. right? It is the message of Jesus. Yes. It is the, the message that Jesus came to this earth and then he died on the cross. And that after three days, he was resurrected again. And he paid for what we call, and what the Bible calls, our sin. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he died and rose again and paid for our sin so that we as human beings could receive him and ask him to be our Lord. And we don't have to live with sin in our life. Mm -hmm. So he said, our gospel came to you not only in word, it wasn't just something that someone preached, but it was also in power. Yeah. You understand when you come across the things of God, the word of God, when you sit in a service and hear someone preach the word, there is something mixed with that word. It's not just somebody speaking who has um, a dynamic personality. They may, I don't necessarily, but, you know, some people may be very intriguing when they speak, but that's not what Paul, Paul was talking about. He said, when I came to you, I, I preached the gospel, and the gospel, what I was saying, had power attached to it. Yes. There was power attached to it, and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, brought with him 
Conviction. Yes. Conviction. Well, that word conviction isn't always a fun word in our society today, right? I mean, if you're in a, a, a court, somebody might convict you <laughs> of something or, or not convict. You know, that, that kind of, we, we think of someone being guilty when we think of conviction, you hear different court things like that. But when the Holy Spirit comes, He reveals in power who you are without God and who you can be with God. Yes. Amen. Who you are without God and who you can be with God. Yes. Do you understand? that with God is better? Let me tell you. I I used to uh, live in this world, and I knew Jesus. Uh, I knew the story of Jesus. I I knew that he had come to this earth. I knew that he died on a cross. I knew that he rose again, and I actually believed that. But he wasn't a part of my life. I was, what the Bible says, I was without God in this world. But there came a day when I said, Jesus, I need you in my life. I want you in my life. And what happened here, someone preached the gospel while I was sitting there, and what happened here happened to me. The gospel was not only words that came out of a matter of fact, when the service I was in when I received Jesus, when I asked him to be my Lord, I didn't even, I couldn't tell you what the man preached. But I know there was power there. There was something besides just the man's words that brought me to what this says, brought me to full conviction that if I wanted a real life on this earth, I needed to receive God and say, God, I'm yours. Take my life, do something with it, because I can't do it on my own. There came power with the words, and the Spirit brought something that the Bible calls conviction. Just revealing who you are without Him, and that things can be better with him. Hallelujah. And then he goes on to say, "Um, you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. What's he saying? As with everybody, anywhere Paul went and preached this word, there were trials, there was persecution. Why? It was a message that a lot of people didn't like. A lot of people liked their religion, their way of thinking, the way they liked to do things, and they didn't want to change. And so there was a lot of persecution. But Paul said, when you heard the gospel... There, there was power there. There was full conviction for you to say, yes, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. I receive it. And it said you received it with the joy of the Holy Spirit. How, what do we know? It made a change 
in their lives. You understand that serving God changes everything about our life. It changes everything. Hallelujah. And it changes it for good. For good. Everybody say for good. For good. good. So Paul's saying what you saw in us, how you saw us act, you just became imitators of that. You just started acting the way we did. You just started reading, uh, reading the word and looking at scriptures the way we did. You just started uh, preaching the way we did. You just grabbed it with joy and allowed your life to be totally changed. Mm-hmm. Totally changed. Hallelujah. And then verse 7 He goes on to say, so that you became, they changed so much that they became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia, what does that mean? They were preaching, sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. (laughs) so that we not need not say anything what's he saying the change in you was so dramatic that that word of how you guys changed and how you are serving the lord has been has been spread you know people like to gossip they like to talk don't they but in this case it was good news Have you heard about Thessalonica? Have you heard about how they received and how many people became Christians overnight? They just wholeheartedly decided, this is the way I'm going to serve God. They just gave it their all. And so this is spreading from town to town, from region to region. Paul saying, I don't even have to say anything anymore. Because what the dramatic change in your life has resounded, and it's, it's gone forth everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, my life has changed so much that pretty much everyone I meet can realize there's something different about her. Yeah. What is that? That's, that's not me. That's the power of God yes. in me, yes. right? In you. It's gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, the kind of reception, how you received the word, and how you turned, look at this, to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You turned, he's saying, the word is spreading everywhere. How when you heard that Jesus was real, when you heard that Jesus was Messiah, you just said it didn't take uh, it didn't take 10 weeks of convincing. It didn't take months and months of trying to prove something. It didn't take God, you know, doing something supernatural. Paul was saying, I had to have Jesus appear to me in a vision. But you guys just heard the preaching and the power that was attached to it. You recognized it as this is God. Mm-hmm. And you just said, that's for me. That's for me. That's for me. Yeah. That's for me. Can we say, say, say that? That's, that's for me. me. That's for me. Ha. Yeah. 
that life, the one that Paul was talking about, that's for me. And it, it didn't take weeks and weeks and months and months. It just took a moment with the power attached to the word for the Thessalonians to say, I want that. Amen. And it says that they turned from their idols to serve the living and true God. And you might think, well, that's, that's fine, Pastor Amy, but I don't worship idols. Oh, really? You'd be surprised what people in America do. They might not have little statues of, of uh, Buddha or whatever, uh, you know, people have statues of. But an idol is anything you put in your life before God. And an idol could be yourself. Meaning you put your priorities and your, your thoughts and your needs above God's ways. An idol could be, you know, a job. It could be a desire of a way of life instead of him. Paul says, you guys turned like that. You turned. You yeah. turned away from all that. You turned away from all that, that you thought you wanted in life. And you said, I need God. Amen. I need God. Praise the Lord. You turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And it says, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivered us delivers us from the wrath to come. We told you the past couple weeks, anytime you read through the scriptures, you're going to see phrases like that where he references Jesus returning. Yes. Here it is, right here. What's he saying? He's, he's congratulating them for making such a stand for Christ and such a bold turn and, and embracing the things of God wholeheartedly. And he says, also people are talking about how you're waiting for his return. Is right there. Why? Because Jesus is coming again. And we want to be ready. Amen. And Paul was saying, good job, guys. Everybody's talking about this. He raised, uh, he raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Why? Because he comes again and takes us home first. Praise yes. God. Hallelujah. So... If you would this morning, turn with me to 2 Corinthians. You might think that's a, a funny little passage, but I, wa I wanted you to see what Paul was doing back then. He was going into towns just like we come into Castle Rock. <laughs> and they preach the gospel and tell people that don't know about God that Jesus is real. And they tell people whose lives are falling apart that God can help. <laughs> and they tell, he was telling people, if you'll turn your heart to God, God will help change everything. Yes. How many can testify that God's changed everything for you? I'll put up both hands. Everything. Everything. You understand, uh, you know, there's times where we look at all that God's blessed us with and all that he's allowed us to increase in, and I realize, without God, I mean, I'd be lucky to hold a job. Yeah. 
Without God, I, I'm, I'm quite certain that a relationship wouldn't be uh, 30 years long as it has been for us. Yeah. Hallelujah. It takes God. Yes. It takes God. So in 2 Corinthians... Chapter 3, we're going we're to look in verse 12. Um, in 2 Corinthians, he's talking here about Moses. That when, Moses when Moses would get before God, uh, there were times where he'd spend 40 days and 40 nights in God's presence. And when he came out, the glory of God was so strong on him because he had, that, he, that the people were almost, they, they, were, they were concerned. They didn't understand why he was radiating the glory of God. So they asked, they asked Moses to put a veil on his face. Can you cover yourself up? Because you, there's too much of God in you. And we don't understand that. And so verse 12, so Paul is, or they're comparing here in Corinthians between uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And he says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being wrought, brought to an end. But it's talking about the Old Testament believers. Their minds were, everybody say hardened. 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 For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is it taken away. What's he saying? The, uh, the Jews, the people in the Old Testament, they have a veil over them. They can't see Jesus the way they need to see because it says only through Christ is that veil taken away. Paul was so impressed that the people in Thessalonica, they heard the gospel one time and they said, yes, the veil was taken away. And they just said, Yes. They, you know, when I received God, when I asked Jesus to be my Lord, I did not understand all of this Bible. Did not. I, I barely knew what I, was, what I was praying, what I was asking, what I was saying. I just knew somewhere on the inside of me, I knew I needed God, I needed help, and the way I was doing things on my own was not working. And so I prayed a prayer and, and just kind of repeated what someone else told me to pray because I didn't understand everything. But the moment I prayed that prayer, the veil was lifted on the inside of me. Glory to God. Only through Christ is the veil taken away. Yes, to this day, verse 15, um, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. What's he say? He was talking about the Jews. Even when the, their, their Torah is read, they still have something covering. They're, they're blinded. They can't see. There's a veil over them. But, verse 16, when one turns to the Lord, <laughs> the veil is 
removed. I just told you when I asked Jesus to be my Lord, I didn't understand everything. But the moment I asked him to be Lord of my life, the veil was removed. And I still didn't understand every bit of scripture, but I knew God was real. And I knew he came to live on the inside of me. And I knew don't ask me how. I just knew by, by the glory of God, by the help of God, that my life would never be the same. Right. Amen. Glory to God. When one turns to the Lord, what happens? The veil's removed. You've got to turn. You've got to turn. You've got to receive him. And then verse 17 says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. What happens when the veil's removed? You experience a level of freedom you have never and will never experience without God. Freedom. Everybody say freedom. Freedom. Freedom from this world's circumstances and turmoils, not that you won't have problems in this world, but that now all of a sudden God's living on the inside of you and you have help to get through, over, around, uh, bull, your, bull your way through any problem that comes up because God's on the inside of you helping you. There's freedom. There is freedom. And verse 18 says this, and we all, talking about we who've received Christ, with what? Unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What does that mean? Your freedom, the unveiling of how good he is, doesn't just happen when you first receive him. But throughout your life, the more you see in the word, the more is unveiled. And the more freedom you have. Mm -hmm. The more you see in the word, another level of glory is unveiled. And you walk in a bigger measure of freedom. That's why you can look at some people who've been serving God for decades and think, I want what they have. Well, you start where you're at. Amen. And when the word reveals something to you, something new, something, something that you didn't see before, you got to say again, yes, yes. I receive that. Amen. I'm going to walk in that from one degree of glory to another. Hallelujah. That's so, so exciting. So, just a couple more verses in chapter 4. We go, it goes on. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. What's he saying? We don't lose heart preaching this gospel. We don't lose heart because we understand that there's a veil on people's hearts and we've got to preach the word for that veil to be removed. And he says, we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. We're not going to get into that. That's a big scripture right there. But he's basically saying, we're not going to mess with the gospel. We're not going to taint it. We're going to preach it 
as Jesus told us to preach it. And verse 3, it says this. And even if our gospel is veiled, who is it veiled from? The gospel is veiled from somebody who has not received Jesus. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. Why would he say perishing? John 3.16 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. Yes. What does that mean? Those who believe on him have received Jesus as their Lord, have changed their lives with God. They get to move to heaven when they die. Mm-hmm. They have eternal life with God. Eternal life with God. That's a big reason right there to receive Jesus. To receive God. Even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Who's that? Anyone who does not receive Jesus as their Lord. Who rejects them. Who says, I see Jesus is there, but I know he's not for me. Then you've just rejected Jesus. And the Bible says you will be perishing. You will be separated eternally from God. That's not going to be us. No. No, 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 no. And if we can help it, nobody we know. Why? We're going to tell them. We're going to tell them. You understand if a bridge is out a mile down the road and you know about it, but there's no signs anywhere else, wouldn't you stop your car, get out, and start tell, having other, other people stop? Telling other people to stop? Say, hey, the bridge is out. The bridge is out. Don't go that way. Don't go that way. Don't go that way. The bridge is out. That's what Paul is saying. We do not get tired of preaching this gospel because the bridge is out for people. They will perish. They will be separated from God if we don't tell them and help them see and have their lives unveiled to the power of God and receive Jesus. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world. Who's the God of this world? The Bible calls him Satan. You might have heard that term, the devil. There's lots of names for him. Another name for him in the, in the word is the thief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? Because that's what he is. He tries to steal the revelation of God, the light of God from your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He tries to steal it from you yes. before you've even received it. Yeah. In their case, the God of this world has what? Blinded the minds, Blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The enemy, the devil, Satan, the thief, whatever name you want to give him, he tries to keep people in this world blinded so that they walk around not able to see the glory of God. They walk around and they bump into things and they trip over things and they mess up relationships and they get addicted to substances because they don't know anything else because they're blinded. 
If you saw a blind person who was about to cross the street, what would you do? Help them. Help them. Lead them. Guide them. Help them see through your eyes. Mm -hmm. That's what preaching the gospel does. It helps people to see. Mm -hmm. It helps the blinders, the veil, come off. Yes. I went into my closet yesterday, turned on the light switch, and the bulb blew. I'm sure everyone's had that happen at some point. You know, the, that flash. The bulb blew. And all of a sudden, my closet was dark. Well, I was in a hurry, didn't want to mess with it. I certainly didn't want to get a ladder and change. I, I, thankfully, I married a tall guy, so I just thought, well, maybe he'll come in later and fix it for me. But um, I didn't want to get out the ladder or the step stool or whatever just to change the bulb. Well, this morning, I, you know, I go to go in my closet, hit the light switch, and guess what? Darkness. Darkness. You know it's harder to find things in the dark than it is in the light? You can try to find things in the dark, and I have a general idea of where things are in my closet. And so what, what I'd have is I have a dark closet, and so I try to like raise the shades, because my closet's attached to my bathroom, I try to raise the shades in my bathroom. Why? So more light can come in through the bathroom so that I can see a little bit better into my closet. But my husband came up this morning and said, your light's out. And he goes doesn't say anything else. He just goes downstairs. He gets a light bulb. He comes back up. He puts the light bulb. Why? He wants me to be able to see. Yeah. Yeah. God has done everything he can to bring you light. Yeah. He has given us something called the gospel to preach. And when it's preached, his power gets attached to it, just like it did for the Thessalonians. His power gets attached. And when you hear about Jesus and you see that veil, all of a sudden, you know, when, when, when you're... Have you ever been in, uh, doing a pinata as a kid and they put the, the blinder on you and you'd kind of like say, oh yeah, that's good, but you really could kind of see out from underneath. And so you're kind of like... <laughs> When the gospel's preached, it might just be a little bit of light that comes, but something tells you the light is good, and that's what I need, and that's what I want, and that's where I need to go, and so I'm just going to jump in, that's right. and I'm going to grab it, and I'm going to run with it, and like, like the Thessalonians, I'm just going to open my heart wide and say, yes, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And I'm not just going to let him change me for just this moment and then forget about it. I'm going to be just like the Thessalonians where people all around me start to hear, have you seen the change in so-and-so? Yeah. Yeah. Have you noticed how different they are? Have you noticed their life coming together? Have you noticed things changing for them? Have you noticed they have peace where they used to be worried? Have you noticed they smile where they used to be upset? 
We want Jesus. Amen? Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand to your feet? Guys, this gospel is to be preached to all the world Mm -hmm. as a witness to every creature. Everybody needs to hear this message. Everybody needs to know that their hearts can be unveiled, that the light can be strong. Everybody needs to hear this. And everybody needs to receive it. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the day. You can receive him and have your whole life changed. So I'm going to ask you right now, if there's anybody in here who wants to make Jesus the Lord of their life, who has not yet, raise your hand. Not going to embarrass you. We're just going to pray with you. That's right. Okay. Very good. You can put your hand down. Let's all pray this together. Is that all right? Okay. Pray this after me. Father God, I see that you are real. That Jesus, your son, is real. And Father, I see without you I can't make it. And so I ask you right now to forgive me for living by myself for so long. Forgive me of my sin. And I ask you now, become Lord of my life. Become my all. Become my purpose. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Best decision of your life just happened right now. Best decision of your life. Now let it change you. Let it determine the course of your life. How do you do that? Come to church. See us afterwards. We're going to get you hooked up and help you. But this is the best decision you have ever made in your life. God loves you. (laughs) Glory to God. That's it for this morning. You're dismissed.